listening to the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. We sit down with some of the most highly regarded experts in the field of rehab, from physical therapists, athletic trainers, and much more. We dive into what makes them tick and hear about the lessons they have learned along their journey. Come listen to what these experts have to say. And welcome inside to another episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Today, we have the Director of Sports Medicine and the Head Athletic Trainer at uh, LSU. We have Bo Lowry. Bo, welcome in. Hey, thanks. Thanks for having me, Chase. I appreciate uh, being here. All right, Bo. Kind of give people a little bit of background and a little bit more information about who you are and kind of where you came from. Also, well, Bo Lowry, I'm a physical therapist and athletic trainer. So it's, it's funny. My journey is a little bit different from most. Uh, two of the degrees I have, you can't really get anymore. So I got into uh, physical therapy school at the University of Mississippi Medical Center um, with prereqs. Got my undergrad in physical therapy, got a bachelor's of science there. Um, started practicing um, physical therapy in an outpatient setting in Laurel, Mississippi. And uh, as I started practicing in the outpatient, I, I also worked towards my athletic training certification. So I went the internship route with that, worked at Jones County Junior College uh, in Ellisville, Mississippi uh, for two years while also helping sort of Jones County School District cover high school athletics as well. So got my athletic training certification in 2000, um, practice another two years in the outpatient physical therapy setting in the high school setting. Um, during that process too, I had the ability to work training camp for the Pittsburgh Steelers in 2001, 2002, 2003. Uh, and that sort of allowed me to take the next step. I knew I needed to get a master's degree. So in 2003, started my master's program um, here at LSU. So moved from Mississippi to Louisiana, started my master's, started working here at LSU as a GA, uh, even though I was a dual credentialed, you know, healthcare provider already. Probably one of the most important things that I did was coming here to LSU to work as a graduate assistant. I had the opportunity to take care of gymnastics, women's soccer, um, baseball, football. So I got to do a bunch of things sort of at the graduate assistant level, um, which was huge for me. And then um, as soon as that, as soon as that was finished and I had my master's, I actually stayed on here at LSU and worked, took care of baseball and um, men's golf and cheerleading uh, from 2005 through 2010. And that was, that was an awesome experience great great like work experience but also it's pretty fun when you have the ability to work with a national championship winning baseball program uh we went to i think we won three consecutive sec tournament championships and um got to omaha in 2008 and 2009 and you know for me too that was huge because because i've always sort of gravitated towards the throwing athlete um so being able to be inundated in that sport was, was awesome. In 
2010, I sort of I left uh, LSU and started an outpatient physical therapy practice here in Baton Rouge. It's called at the time it was just Elite Physical Therapy, and has since become Traction Elite Physical Therapy. Um, so I got that was getting that up and going, uh, and then in 2012, the New Orleans Saints called and uh, was looking to hire a, a physical therapist full time. So was able to to have a partner take care of uh, Traction Elite, went down to New Orleans, um, and then wound up staying there for nine years. Uh, progressed from being just the athletic trainer, physical therapist assistant to the director of rehab, then over the departments, the director of sports medicine. So I was there for four years uh, as the director of sports medicine, um, nine years in total. And then the opportunity to come to LSU, um, you know, it, it was an awesome opportunity because of the vision of the athletic director, having um, having an administration that put as much emphasis on the care of our athletes as they did coaching our athletes and facilities. So uh, that allowed me to get to come back to Baton Rouge. Um, and yeah, I've been here for 18 months now, just finished my second football season. Gotcha. So, you know, throughout your entire time, you've been involved in sports, you know, whether you were, um, you know, while you were still a student and kind of working through your other degrees and now like your entire professional career, basically. Um, when did you realize that sports PT or sports rehab or being a sports clinician was kind of in your future? You know, a couple, a couple really, um, significant episodes for me happened. So I was an athlete in high school. Um, I went to a small two A high school in seminary, Mississippi and, um, love sports, uh, that, that sort of defined who I was growing up and then wound up having a couple injuries, had a spondylolisthesis in my low back, had a fractured left fibula, um, during football. So I had some injuries, got, had the ability to, get to know our, our athletic trainer that took care of our high school at the time, come to find out she graduated from LSU. So she, uh, and she was a physical therapist. She at the time was running the, it was Methodist sports medicine program. So she was over that. And then it just wound up. She was covering our high school. So I got to be really good friends with her. Um, knew immediately that I wanted to be involved in sports and, you know, she sort of helped me. So as soon as I graduated high school, she hired me as a physical therapy tech. So um, at that time and in, in that department specifically, we had um, the orthopedic surgeons were right next door to us. Um, the athletic trainers would come in and they were, everybody was in, in the morning. So I got to I got to hang out with all the physical therapists, the athletic trainers, go visit with the physicians, go to the physicians and when they were in surgery. Uh, so it was an, it was an amazing time. And that's sort of when I knew for sure, this is exactly what I wanted to do. Gotcha. Um, and so, you know, you talked a little bit about your time, you know, after when you were working at LSU and then now you're back at LSU. Um, and then you were with the Saints for nine years. So kind of tell us a little bit more, like the differences between college and pro sports. Like you can even talk culturally, you know, kind of how you, your, your treatment approaches. You can kind of just talk a little bit more and speak on uh, how, how different it is, you know, working college and pro sports. Yeah, look, a lot of it's, a lot of it's the same. The atmosphere is a little bit different. Um, 
you know, and I think each organization is different, right? So I can tell you my time in New Orleans was incredible. When I tell you a lot of people have this, this perception that professional sports is all these guys are paid and, you know, from a team aspect, it's not really a team. They're looking out for themselves. It's a business. That's the opposite of what I experienced in New Orleans. When you talk about a brotherhood, it was amazing. And I'll tell you, the the majority of those guys I still talk to to this day. Uh, a bunch of guys are on different teams that are no longer in New Orleans, still communicate with them. Um, it was it was incredible. Um, I, probably the thing that's different, especially when you talk about roles inside of an organization, right? So I had the ability to be sort of the physical therapist that directed the rehabs and it oversaw that. Then I transitioned and became over the department to where I was the director of sports medicine. And I can tell you those two roles are different. So from when you're the physical therapist doing the rehabs, it's really, it's really cool. And the fact that at the professional setting, you deal with multiple physicians across the country, right? So you have second opinion physicians that, that are doing a lot of the surgeries that take place. So from the Dr. Bob Anderson's in Wisconsin to Dr. Neil Elitrosh in LA to Dr. Steve Shin in LA to, you know, all over Dr. Andrews, who I feel is almost like a family member of mine. Um, so as the therapist putting together their rehab plan and working with their operating surgeon, that, that, that gave me a, a wealth of knowledge to be able to learn from everybody. And look, our team doctors in New Orleans was incredible. Dr. Chip Bankston was amazing. And a lot of our guys wound up staying and having surgery done by him. But just all of that experience and that expertise, getting to learn from and help develop rehab plans and walk through that, um, that was amazing. And then taking the next step for me personally, doing the, being the director of sports medicine and overseeing everything, um, that was a challenge in and of itself because you're working with your team physicians. You're working with both the orthopedics, the primary care. You're working with all the subspecialties, whether it's dermatology or whether it's radiology, making sure, man, those guys are on point and making sure your product is good as a whole. As a whole. Um, so even inside of professional sports, those roles are different, right? And then you look and compare to college. You know, college, I would say each year is becoming more and more like professional sports, right? With the NIL, with a transfer portal, right? I tell, I tell people all the time, this transfer portal right now, is just like free agency in the NFL, right? Except at least with free agency in the NFL, it's got some parameters, right? right. This transfer portal does not have parameters. So you can have kids who are you know, are, are well-adjusted, really good, productive players who enjoy being there. And all of a sudden they hit the transfer portal um, because another school's offering them more money. So interesting times that we're in in college sports. When it comes specifically to the treatment plan and the treatment programs for these guys, to be honest with you, is really, really similar. Um, you know, a labral tear is a labral tear unless you're dealing with your throwing athlete, right? Um, so for me and my perspective, we want to put the best surgeons around these guys, and then we want to have the best, you know, rehabilitation program for these guys just to optimize 
not number one, their recovery, um, and then make sure they get a full recovery. So for me, those are the, the biggest things. Um, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, absolutely. And I kind of want to talk a little bit more about kind of your role now as director of sports medicine. So you're kind of overseeing everybody. Um, you know, when problems do arise, uh, you know, and you're trying to put all these different fires out, um, you know, when you're trying to put your hand in multiple different cookie, cookie jars, so to say, uh, how do you kind of make sure that the communication between, you know, the physician that's working on an athlete and the athletic trainer and the strength coach for that particular athlete, how do you kind of make sure that communication is seamless when you are trying to simultaneously work and cover multiple different athletes at the same time? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, we stay really busy. That's the understatement. Um, so I, I think having the right people becomes priority, right? I, I say a lot of times, I say this to, to everybody that comes through, there's three really important things when, you, when you're in a leadership role um, and you're looking to help take care of the student athlete, right? Or a professional athlete for that matter. But number one, it's all about the people. It's the people that you have in place. Number two, it's about the facilities. So you've got to have adequate facilities um, to be able to provide the care that you want to. Um, because when we talk about care for us, it becomes what are we doing preventatively? What are we doing on the front end? Uh, and then what are we doing after the injury occurs to actually rehab them? And then what are we doing to maintain? So facilities are important. And all of that, one and two, line up with our outcomes. Because, look, at the end of the day, we are an outcome-based business, right? So if you don't have good rehab, if you don't have good surgeons, if you don't have good care, period, man, your outcome's not going to be what they need to be. Now, you can, if you have the right people, you have the right facilities, and, man, those outcomes will be there. So in talking about outcomes, it is a multi-level uh, approach, especially here at LSU. And I can tell you, I oversee all sports, all 21 of our varsity sports. And uh, our athletic director's done a really good job of hiring, like, really elite coaches. And when you hire elite coaches, man, they get it, right? So they know that, man, it should be seamless between – you know, medical, which is the athletic trainer, the physical therapist, the physician, to the strength and conditioning coach that's doing a lot of the stuff on the front end, to the team nutritionist, to our sports psych. Um, the whole the whole part is, is extremely important. So all of these um, support staff, um, me included, like how do we support our players and then be able to put them in the best place to be able to succeed. So I, I can speak specifically to football. So one of the big things that we've concentrated on here is, man, what can we do to prevent injury, right? What can we do? Our strength and conditioning coach here, Jake Flint, came from Notre Dame. He was an assistant in Notre Dame and been with Coach Kelly for 18, 19 years. So he, he really understands sort of Coach Kelly's personality. And um, so what he brings to the table is, hey, we want to be as objective as possible. Let's not guess, right? I grew up in a time where you go to the weight room and you do a workout, like here's the sheet, like let's do, you know, 
four sets of eight reps and what weight are we going to use? Well, let's try to use 90% of your one rep max. And, you know, well, when did you get that max? Well, now what we're doing is trying to take the guesswork out of it. And Jake and his group's done a really good job. So everything is speed-based, right? How fast the bar moves, that's going to dictate what we do. If we're going to change reps, add weight, whatever. Um, Guys, fill out a daily questionnaire so we know, like, man, how are they? How much sleep did they get last night, right? Like, how much stress are they having? Like, and there's some markers in there, the red flag, if we need to pull a guy, modify a guy. And then once it gets to the running part of that, like, checking their load. Like, we have Catapult that actually, we know their speed, we know the the player load, and we know what their norm is, right? And I'll, I'll say this, Coach Kelly's done such a good job. That will go on throughout the winter into the spring, and our, the volume of our spring football practices will be based on what those player load numbers are. So there's not an acute – spike in workload so your acute to chronic ratios are not way out of balance and then all of a sudden boom you have all these soft tissue injuries um and and then basically after spring same thing as we we go through our summer program how we start training camp is going to be based on the volume the guys have been able to handle during their off-season program and then we can know like hey if their soreness level is up and we check on, man, do we need to do more recovery stuff? Do we need to give, get them in the Theralite bed? Do we need to get them in the cryo chamber? You know, do we need to get them in the hyperbaric chamber? Like, what do we need to do? And as you know, uh, in the physical therapy realm, all of these devices are tools, right? So you got some guys that refuse to jump into a cold tub. Not going to do it. I will not get in a cold tub for 15 minutes. But they will get in a cryo chamber for three right? Or they will get in the Theralite bed. So having multiple resources and modalities for guys to use to recover becomes good. And then we can turn around and it's our sports science people are actually putting this together. Like, let's try to objectify, you know, the recovery from these different modalities, because there's not a lot of that research that's out there, to be honest with you, right? It's all anecdotal stuff. So how can we objectify that and really and really put a value on the recovery piece? Um, and then and then we use the oral ring too. So we use you know the ability to be able to monitor sleep and how 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 good is the guy's sleep? We're about to new, do a new facility and have a sleep lab, right? So this is the one thing I say to everybody. I can't preach it enough. The two most important things in recovery is going to be sleep and hydration. Are you eating well? Are you staying hydrated and are you getting sleep, right? We can spend spend millions of dollars on this other stuff, but it really comes down to those two factors. So trying to do a good job of educating uh, all of our student athletes on that becomes becomes big. So what can we do to prevent an injury, right? And then once the injury happens, then are we surrounding them with, with the best resources? So that's sort of the job here is just to make sure that Man, our strength and conditioning is is communicating with us, and we we're working seamlessly. And then nutrition too. So, for example, when we have a student athlete that gets injured, man, one of the first things they do is going to consult with our nutritionist, right? Because, you know, their energy expenditure is changing, right? It's gone from high to is about to go to low, 
especially if they have to have surgery and what that looks like the first few weeks before we get them back into a cardiovascular um, system and setting. Um, so how are we going to change that? And then also, man, what's the injury, right? Is it a soft tissue injury? It's a bone. Like what do their numbers look like, uh, from a metabolic standpoint Do we need to supplement them with more vitamin D what anyway, so <clears throat> nutrition's huge in helping us in the recovery and the rehab process after the injury happens. So using all of our resources, just to put our student athlete in the best situation to to optimize their time while they're with us that's huge for us yeah i think that that your answer is kind of like the best of you know when i asked this question of how did how different uh you know sports medicine team professionals kind of interact i think your answer kind of incorporates and kind of exemplifies like what the best of it can be kind of like how it's done at like the highest level so i think that's a great answer um so you've been in sports pt for a while now so what are some characteristics of a good sports PT, someone that you've mentored, someone that you've seen in the clinic, someone you've seen in the training room that makes you say, you know, I really like how they practice. You know, I want to emulate something like that. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you this quick story. I probably shouldn't, but I'll tell it to you because I think this sort of embodies it. Um, gosh, I guess I'd been been in New Orleans um, maybe two years and got to be really good friends with our quarterback at the time. And uh, when I talk about uber competitive guy, worked hard, like really made everybody in the building better, this guy did. And he just made a comment sort of off the cuff one day, said, you're pretty competitive, aren't you? And I said, let me tell you what. One of the things that, that I know working in the professional setting and working with elite athletes, right, you look at guys who do it the right way, like yourself, who's going to train hard, study hard, prepare right? I have the same expectations for me and my staff. Are we doing everything possible to know what is the latest and greatest? What is the optimal care? You know, here's all these recovery tools. Well, what really works, right? And what, what is going to put our athletes in the best position to get better? So, so the answer to your question is, man, I want, guy, I want men and women who are internally motivated to be absolutely the best they can be. I want people who don't look at the clock, right? It's not clock in, clock out, but are really invested in the team and the team approach. And that is, man, we, our athletes are out here killing themselves to be the best they can be. Our coaches are recruiting, are watching film, are doing everything from a coaching standpoint. Our strength and conditioning is doing the same. What are we as the rehab experts doing? Are we diving into all the latest from, you know, the journals to what's all of our peers doing to like just just having a, a, a sense of, man, how can I get better today? It doesn't matter that I've been great. What, are, what am I doing to get better? Um, because in our profession as physical therapists, man, it is wide open. I talked a little bit about research. There's a ton of research that we need to do to have more evidence-based medicine to prove and to know, hey, what is standard of care for X, Y, or Z? So for me, that's what, that's what I'm looking for when it comes to really elite clinicians is people who have this internal drive to get better. Gotcha. I think that's another great answer. 
Um, you know, you talked a little bit earlier about how the college football world is a little crazy right now with the transfer portal. And uh, my next question kind of leads into that. You know, you may be getting um, players that you thought were going to be at a different school. You might be getting them on campus soon enough. Um, how do you kind of, how do you personally kind of create that buy-in with a new athlete? You know, this athlete may be coming from a school where they had a great relationship or a very poor relationship with a previous sports clinician. How do you kind of get them to trust them with your health? Because that's like, you know, beyond a step up as a step up, a squat as a squat. Those exercises aren't going to change, um, you know, injury to injury. But getting that kind of personal connection with the uh, with student athlete, how do you kind of build that connection? You know, I say all the time, people don't care what you know until they know how much you care, right? So with everybody, you know, I, we had a group of actually today we had a new group of our incoming freshmen and transfers come in and. They're going through the whole sort of educational part of our program and uh, they they meet with me for 30 minutes. And so, you know, some of the stuff that I told them, I'll share with you. Look, a couple of things that you need to know. If, if you can treat other people exactly the way you want to be treated, man, there's buy in from 90 percent of the guys. Right. So you imagine yourself as whether you're a freshman or you're a transfer. Right. Told them, look. I think probably every place that you've been, every every um, college athletic training room or high school, they did a, a fabulous job. So we're not going to say anything negative about anybody. But what we are going to do, and the one thing that I do know, is your body is your business, right? All of these guys want to go to the NFL. They all want to – they all have aspirations and – one of the things that hinders most people is injury, right? So how can we meet them where they are to where they buy into our process? And the way they, the way that we do that is I'm just very open with them. Like I'm hired by LSU to take care of you. I'm not hired by LSU to do anything else. And that's the truth. And that's what I love about our administration. So, you know, we're not going to spare any expense to make sure we take care of you at the highest level. Now, what comes with that? What comes with that is, man, you being present, you being here. We're not going to be on our cell phones while we're trying to go through and do the UBE or on a bike. All that's out the window. We're going to be 100% bought in to everything that's asked of you. And then on the flip side, I'm going to, it, it's my job to make sure we handle you at an elite level. Um, so I tell them all, it's my goal when you leave here that, you know, you'll say LSU uh, took care of me better than anybody whatever NBA, WNBA, softball, professional program, MLB, or the NFL. Gotcha. I think that's a, you know, great way to kind of, you know, get the perspective of, uh, you know, what you do to buy, get the buy-in from the athlete. Um, so a kind of more general, broad question, what areas, you know, we talked a little bit um, about kind of how you, you guys operate as a sports medicine scene, but what's some areas that you think sports PT can improve and grow? If you had a magic wand and you can wave it and it would fix some problem, what's something that, you know, we as a profession can grow and become better at? You know, I've said this for probably about 15 years. I think it's the gap between, you know, finishing like rehab, right? So you got full motion, full strength and return to play. Uh, my good friend, Sue Falzoni, she actually wrote a book on it. Um, so I think there's a lot of people that know that there's that gap there. Um, 
but that's what we really need to refine and define and like master um, is that phase, right? So, you know, orthopedic surgeons look say, hey, you're at six months, you're out of this labral repair, you're full go. Well, what does that look like for a defensive lineman compared to a wide receiver, compared to, you know, a quarterback, right? So that's where, you know, that a lot of our expertise comes into play and expertise of all the athletic trainers and physical therapists is, hey, you can do this from a functional standpoint. How do you work backwards to actually start from you're at month three and a half, month four, to get you to month six, to where when you do get to month six, you are truly full go. So I think that return to play component is probably the the part that's missing. Um, gotcha. I think that, that actually leads perfectly into the next question. Um, you know, that that return to return to play phase, you know, what's the where where do you kind of delineate or draw the line and kind of how do you work on what do you personally do to kind of bridge that gap between, you know, it's like, all right, I'm a normal, I'm a functioning human being with good range of motion. I can reach overhead and I can put my shirt on back into it's like, all right, I need to throw a baseball 90 miles an hour, or I need to be able to do a handstand and backflip off a, a set of uneven bars. Kind of how do you work on finding that exercise prescription to kind of getting them to those phases. Yeah. So to be honest with you, I always work backwards, right? So, you know, with baseball, we sort of use the adage, let's take surgery out of it. So basically for every week that you miss after two months, it's going to be a week of a throwing program when you're able to throw, right? So when you, when you understand what the volume and the intensity needs to be, and then what the duration is, then then you can feel pretty comfortable about getting the athlete back to where they need to be at a safe in at a safe intensity, volume, and duration. So, with all that being said, like the overhead athlete becomes one of the most challenging. Um, so you have throwers, same thing. That's a good example you use with, with the gymnastics is you actually take the skill and you break the skill down and you, you work backwards, right? So what's the first, can you do a handstand, right? You have enough strength, even though they're five out of five after this shoulder surgery, can they actually do a handstand? And then you progress from there. So I think that, becomes what the challenge is and is as you're assessing them and their functional ability to be able to break that down to an exercise prescription that addresses that specific need because just because their internal and external rotation is five out of five we are we already know i think there was a study done recently uh, by reinhold that looked at it like even though you're five out of five what does that truly mean right we have the ability to put them on ice do some isokinetic testing and I can tell you with our throwers, we want their peak torques times percent body weight. You know, for our internal rotators, we want them above 22%. For their external rotators, we want them above 15 to 17%. And we want their ratio to be about 66%, 66 to 75. That gives me a better picture than even a manual muscle test, right? Um, so you, you add all of these different components to it and say, hey, strength-wise, they're good, but functionally, man, we still have some work to do. 
Right. Yeah, I think that's a great answer, kind of talking about um, what you, how do you objectively break it down and then functionally break it down to make sure that they are ready to adequately, safely return to sport. All right, Bo, a couple more questions before we get you out of here. Um, walk us through a day in the life of what it's like to be you. Um, I'm sure it changes every single day, depending on what time of year it is, um, depending on what's going on, but kind of t- give us like a typical day in the life for you. Yeah, sure. So we'll talk, if you want to talk specifically football. So in the fall, day starts at about five o'clock, get here at six o'clock in the morning. We have all of our rehabs that start. Um, they start really at about 6.30 based on class schedule of guys. So all of our guys that are injured uh, and, and not fully participating in practice, then they're going to get their full rehab done before noon. Um, so those will be ske- uh, staggered based on class schedule. And then as we fast forward, noon gets here. By 1 o'clock, all the guys are here. We've got pre-practice treatments and taping going on from noon until 1.30. 1.30 is when uh, meetings start for our players. So all the pre-practice stuff and taping is done at 1.30. So from 1.30 to about 4, they're in meetings. Um, at four, they get out and warm up, start practice. Practice is over typically around six o'clock, um, from six until probably seven fifteen, seven thirty. We typically have one of our primary care physicians here and one of our orthopedists here that, um, if there's an injury that happened, we can evaluate it. If we need to get an MRI, we do that. If there's not an injury, those other players are in the training room recovering, doing treatment, doing post-practice treatment. Then uh, the cafeteria opens during that, probably about 6.30 range. Guys will go eat. Um, and then we sort of finish up the day at around 7, 8 o'clock. Um, I'll try to go ahead and any new thing that's happened, I'll put on paper. We'll do an injury report. Uh, to update the coaches on who can participate, who can't. If somebody, let's say one of the players was limited and we were able to, to watch them and they and, and staircase them back to play, maybe they go from limited, could only do about four periods to where they're limited and can do eight periods the next practice. Uh, or a player that wasn't participating, he was working off to the side with, with uh, one of our athletic trainers that can now transition back to some – limited practice. And then the guys who maybe they got hurt or they got hurt, we have to evaluate them the following morning. So at that point, I just communicate, write all this down on an injury report, and we'll communicate with our coach uh, and let, let those guys know what to expect as they prepare for practice the following day. Gotcha. So, yeah. Um, do you have any favorite memories? Um, you know, we, we'll talk about, you know, your time at LSU currently. Any favorite memories in the past, you know, year and a half that you've been there so far? You know, for me, it's, it's, it's really all about the people. Um, you know, the, there's been some really cool moments, um, but a lot of them are just interactions with our student athletes, to be honest with you. Um, you know, and I'd say that about about even my time in New Orleans, right? It's It's – is some of those interactions with with our with our players, uh, even with other coaches. With I man, when you when you spend this much time 
with people and you know what I'm saying? And it, when you spend this much time and there's this much, there's a, there's a ton of effort. And, you know, the saying is a lot of blood, blood, sweat and tears. When all of that goes in, then, then that creates a bond that's hard to explain. Uh, but it's fun and it lasts forever. Um, so th- those are the fun things for me. And that's that's why you do this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Bo, last question before we get you out of here. And again, I appreciate your, your time and giving you so much knowledge and experience. Um, do you have any advice for anybody that wants to be in sports PT at the college or pro level? Yeah, keep learning. Keep learning. Like, man, you know, I had uh, there again, having a, having a PT clinic in town, too, is good because I've, I've hired several physical therapists that's come through. And we wind up seeing a lot of NFL guys over at, at the clinic. And uh, I had a guy ask me one time, I was like, I want to be the guy that sees the professional athletes. And my advice to him was, hey, you treat this 13, 14-year-old softball player, baseball player like they are a professional athlete. You dive into each patient and you know, like, man, not only diagnosis and know what the treatment plan is, but have an idea of prognosis and, you know, work through all of the, the different injuries um, and rehab those things at a really high level and always ask yourself, man, could I have done it more effectively? Could I have been more efficient with my treatments? Could I have done anything? Ask yourself, can I do anything better with each person and never be satisfied? Um, and then that is what's going to set you up to be really, really good as you get older. Because experience, there's there's nothing that you can take from experience, especially if you have that that approach. Gotcha. I think that's a great piece of advice. You know, treat treat. Uh, you know, like we talked about earlier, a labrum tear is a labrum tear, whether it's a 13 year old or a uh, you know 35 year old professional baseball player. But being able to kind of walk through that process on the 13 year old, if you can do that well enough, you know, that can help. You know, later down the line when you're working with the older athlete. Um, so that was my last question for you, Bo. Um, this has been a great conversation. I've learned a lot. Hopefully everyone that's going to listen is going to learn a lot. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug or anything that you'd like to shout out before we get you out of here? No, I tell you what, um, I, I've listened to a couple of your podcasts and it's been great. I love it. I love what you're doing. I think that helps our profession. Um, and look, at the end of the day, it's all about others. You know, we're, we're healthcare providers and, and if we can be elite at what we do, then the people who come through our doors or come through our training rooms are only going to benefit from it. So I appreciate what you're doing uh, and getting the message out. Love it. Perfect. I appreciate the kind words, Bo. And uh, with that being said, this has been the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts Podcast. Huge shout out to Bo Lowry of the LSU Tigers football team for coming on to the latest episode of the Sports Rehab Experts podcast. If you liked what you heard or want to hear more episodes from great future guests, please like and subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you're listening.